Hey guys, Tim here. Thanks for tuning in to our Thursday edition of the podcast. This is, of course, not our normal intro, and you might be wondering why I'm talking to you before the music. That's because I just wanted to let you guys know that we recorded this full basketball discussion, getting into the strengths and weaknesses of the team today. And of course, right after we recorded it, we found out that Trill Williams on Twitter declared for the NFL draft. So in case you missed that news last night, that came out. Trill has opted out of the season and is declaring for the draft. Best of luck to him. We will not talk about it, unfortunately, today on the podcast, but be sure to tune in Friday if you want to get our full thoughts on that. And also we will preview the Boston College matchup on Friday and have A.J. Black from Locked On BC join to give you the 411 on the Eagles. So that'll be Friday's show, but for now, no trill today. We're talking basketball, and let's get into it now. You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in. This is your Thursday Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Rocky and Tim Leonard. Check the show out on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. You know, Tim, something new that people have been doing. I, I, we've been getting some highlight tapes from yeah, coaches, from players, it. whether it's in the DMs, whether it's in the mentions, all that stuff. So send us your highlight tapes. I can't guarantee we can get it on the desk of Dino Babers, but we'll, we'll watch them. We'll, we'll do we'll, our best. I think the, we'll la- evaluate. the latest one we've got is of a sophomore running back from Camden, New Jersey. Not the same high school as Deuce Chestnut, but it's Marquise Hicks. He went for 24 carries and 327 yards and four touchdowns on in his last game. So Sounds good hey. to me. <laughs> Sounds good enough to me. And he's just a sophomore, too, so... He's the next big running back out of South Jersey. South Jersey's produced a number of great running backs, by the way. You think of Jonathan Taylor, Corey Clement, all yeah. those, uh, pretty much anyone good that's run the ball at Wisconsin lately, they are out of South Jersey. So maybe keep an eye out for some of those guys. And also, if it's your first time here on the show, welcome. Thanks for checking in with us. Subscribe to the show. And you'll get the new episodes in your feed every single weekday, Monday through Friday. We're with you here on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. So we're all hoops all day today on the show. It's 10 thoughts. And we've got the strengths and weaknesses of this Syracuse team heading into the upcoming year. Because this is a team that you and I, I think, lean more on the high side of than the low side of. Their ceiling, probably a top 15 team. Their floor, who wow. knows? There's a Top lot of 15, new pieces that's to this high. team. I love it. I, well, ceilings are high, Tim. Yes, I mean, I'm not, you're right. <laughs> I'll put it at like Sistine Chapel level heights for this team. Um, and I think that when you look at this team, it, it boils down to some of their strengths and weaknesses and how they are going to attack it at making sure that the team's weaknesses don't kill them. And we saw the weaknesses kill them a lot last year. So I think we start, though, with the strengths. And when you look at Syracuse... From a season ago, an uncharacteristically good offense. Top 25 in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency per Ken Palm. I can hear Jim Beheim, eh, Cam Cam, Cam Cam, Cam Cam. <laughs> I, I don't care, all right? These numbers mean something to me because when you look at some of these other teams, I mean, Virginia, perennially one of the best Ken Palm teams, and that's why they won, are, I guess, technically the reigning national champions, but they're just a good, well-coached, disciplined team year after year after year and when I look at this team unorthodox offensive year from a season ago I mean usually this team is outside the top 50 sometimes even outside the top 
100 in adjusted offensive efficiency, but 21st in the country from a year ago. And it's because you had bona fide scores on this team. You had Joe Girard. Elijah Hughes was your most efficient player from a year ago. You're going to have to replace that, and hopefully Alan Griffin can be the answer. And then you've got Buddy Beheim. You're going to have a very, very solid three-headed attack on offense, and you're hoping that offense continues to be a strength for this team. Yeah, I would say strengths are very similar to last year's roster, and weaknesses, honestly, are pretty similar to last year's roster. The question is, how much can this experience group make a jump? And you bring up the Ken Palm numbers. Another interesting thing about how things fell out last year, they finished the year 51st on Ken Palm. Not very good, obviously, but let's stop and think about that. That's all the Power 5 schools. 51st means you're not that far off from the NCAA tournament bubble. You're probably in the conversation most years. If you remember Syracuse, I think it was 18 and 14, whatever their final record was, that is usually not 51st in Ken Palm. That they were they were not in the conversation of the NCAA bubble unless they went on some miraculous run in the ACC tournament and they started to show some signs, but unfortunately never got the chance. So what does that mean that their Ken Palm was higher? I think it could be a good thing. And it also goes back to the fact that in non-conference play, they were terrible. And that really crippled their resume. Remember what they did in that tournament at Barclays where they lost to Oklahoma State and Penn State. Remember what they did in some of the other non-conference games. The early game against Virginia where they scored 34 points. This team got better as the season went along. And by the end of the year, they were playing like an NCAA tournament game on most nights, I would say. And Elijah Hughes was the alpha that they needed in everything. And Hughes was really pretty good all season. But you can make the case that this team is actually carrying some momentum and maybe being undervalued considering that they actually played like a much better team in the latter half when the schedule got tougher than they did in the beginning of the year. I'm glad you bring up the Ken Palm ranking there because they were 51st a season ago, like you mentioned. But to be a good Syracuse team, and you look at when this team misses the tournament, I mean, let's take a look at Let's assume they were not going to make the tournament last year, yeah. okay? And if they were, obviously their Ken Palm ranking would have risen. But if, if they were to lose their next game, I believe they were supposed to play Louisville next. Yes. If they lost that game, they're not in the NCAA tournament. When you look at the, the past couple of teams that have missed the tournament— all outside the top 50 in Ken Palm. Now, that seems like simple, something simple to say, but even that team in 2018 where you weren't sure if they were going to make the tournament and it looked like on the outset that they were going to miss it and they were 41st in the country. So it kind of feels like if you can crack that top 40 or hover around 40 in your Ken Palm ranking, you're a pretty good luck because 2020, 51st, 2017, 55th, 2015, 53rd. And usually the common denominator there is that the offense has been very good in those years. And it's weird because usually good yeah, offense. And the defense has been figure, bad when they missed right. the tournament. And good offense usually equates to, okay, you're going to win a lot of games. But it just for some reason has not been the case with Syracuse. And again, it comes down to, okay, you can score 80, but if you're letting up 82 on the other end, it doesn't matter. But yeah. when I look at the Syracuse team, the offense, I mean, from a season ago, they didn't turn the ball over very much. That was another positive for this team. And they just, in general, I mean, you could depend on the offense night in and night out. They were a three-point shooting offense that shot the ball pretty well, at least 
when they needed to, they shot the ball pretty well from three. Yeah, it's staggering. I saw our pal Matthew Gutierrez put up the graph on what their Ken Palm rankings finished year by year since Ken Palm has been tracking it for offense and defense. And if anyone hasn't seen this, I encourage you to kind of try and dig up that tweet from Goody. The really interesting part about that is, for whatever reason, whenever the offense has been good, the defense has been bad. And whenever the defense has been good, the offense has been bad. But what we can glean from that is that the defense means more to this team, as you were saying, than what the offense does. That Sweet 16 year, they weren't very good on offense, but they had Tyus Battle and Frank Howard at the top of the 2-3 zone, and they had Chukwu as the anchor, who was a solid rim protector, and they shut down Michigan State and made it into a rock fight and won some ugly games in the tournament just because it was a great defensive year for that team. That's the, the question mark going into this year. The strengths for this year's team, like last year's team, are kind of all associated to offense. And I'll add in another strength. I think the fact that the expectations are tempered a little bit this year and the season outlook is not top 25 like it was after they won on the Final Four run and then they returned a lot of starters and then they flopped and went to the NIT. Or it was when Elijah Hughes joined the program and they ended up losing in the first round to Baylor and we're just kind of an average nine seed team. The expectations when they've been high recently, they have not really risen to it. This year we're looking at and we're going, yeah, another Syracuse bubble team. That makes the most sense. To me, I kind of like where they're at because we've got some players that could surprise some people and Quincy and Kadari and even Alan Griffin to a, a bigger extent too, because I think he'll be one of the more valuable players on the team. And then you bring back so much experience and continuity from last year, which is an asset, especially this year, considering that COVID is limiting the amount of time you get to work with your teammates and just the luxury of having that full offseason to get into the system. Now, Richmond and Griffin are valuable players on this team, and they're going to have to learn the 2-3 zone. So it kind of works both ways. But as a whole, Syracuse has more experience than most other teams in the ACC. Hey, basketball season less than 30 days away now. Yeah, you heard that right. Less than a month to go until hoops. And that's the perfect reminder for me to tell you that Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport or team just to drink beer. I know there's no better beer out there to accompany my weekend football watching than Coors Light. And guess what? That's not going to change once hoop season is here. Coors Light is made to chill, which means when you need a moment to unwind, reach for the beer that's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light's Mountain Cold Refreshment is thanks to being cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged so it arrives to your doorstep ready for a day or night made for chilling. Coors Light is the beer I choose when I need to hit reset, so when you need to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your doors at get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The best workout gel on the market, the best energy gel on the market, that is Built Go by the same people who brought you Built Bar, one of our other favorite products here. Built Go is like a five-hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus it's natural, so it's better for your body in general. Kind of like drinking a monster drink, just a third of the caffeine and better results. It comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. Built Go is a healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is not fake. It's lasting and it's natural. Visit BuiltGo.com, use our promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use our promo code LOCKED, all one word, for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go!
A couple more strengths for you here, and you kind of brought it up right before we took the break there, but it is that experience for this team. And experience and depth, really. Everyone's a year older, and I know that sounds stupid, it sounds cliche and all that, but I think with this team, it means a lot. When you look at the hopeful steps for a guy like Barama Sidibe, and we talked about Sidibe on yesterday's show, what and how he can be the X factor for this entire team. So if you missed that, go check that out. But with him, Dolajai, he's a guy who just gets better and better each year. Now, we've been promised the jump shot every single year. Hopefully, this is the year that takes the turn. Buddy Bayheim, a guy I'm super excited to see take another leap. Then you've got Joe Girard. Quincy Garrier kind of feels like your pop guy. Can he be the guy that pops as a sophomore? And then the, the, to expand on that with the depth, too. I mean, depth-wise, you look at a guy like Kadari Richmond coming off the bench. He can hopefully be a valuable piece. And then we'd imagine that Quincy's going to be coming off the bench. And then you're bringing in Alan Griffin. Yeah. Alan Griffin is going to be a phenomenal player on this team. He brings the shooting that you need every single night. He's probably not going to lead your team in scoring, but he's going to get you double figures. And he's going to be an integral part of what should be another potent offense. Yeah, and... You bring up how Buddy made the jump. That's a very common thing in college basketball. When you look through the history of how does a certain team typically overperform, usually in that sophomore, freshman to sophomore season, there are several players that will make jumps. You see it every year across the nation. Buddy was one of them last year. To me, you have two, and you could even say maybe three candidates this year when you consider Joe Girard's going to be a sophomore. And I think that's really where you could see him make his most progress from one year to another in a Syracuse career. And then Quincy is an obvious sophomore jump candidate this year. When you factor in that he's healthy and we did not see his jump shot last year and he never got comfortable and all the flaws he had on defense for the most part seem fixable because he has so much potential and so much raw athleticism. And it's not a Barama Sidibe, oh, he's just not quick enough and he can't jump high enough type of problem. There's a lot of growth and a lot of ceiling left in Quincy Garrier's game. And then I'd say Alan Griffin is kind of a somewhat sophomore jump candidate because he has played already two seasons at Illinois, but he didn't play a whole lot his freshman year. And now he's coming into a program that's different. So it's it's kind of a unique situation. But to me, He's going from a role that was smaller last year to being asked to be doing a whole lot more, kind of like Elijah Hughes did from his first year at Syracuse to his second. And Hughes made a big jump. I think Griffin can make a similar type of jump. What I'm looking forward to is this also. I don't know if you saw this number, but we always think of Syracuse. Very slow, lethargic offense. They they like to... They're kind of like Virginia. They don't get yeah. a ton of possessions. And part of that, too, is the way that the defense slows things down on the other end. But last year, in adjusted tempo, Syracuse 179th in the country. They're usually in like the 340s, 330s. They were moving. And I think this could be an exciting team when you get in transition. Absolutely. Because look at the shooters you have and the way that some of these guys can distribute the ball. Apparently, Kadari Richmond is going to be one of those guys who can really distribute the basketball when he's given the opportunity. I think Joe Girard can facilitate. Buddy Bayheim is a great catch-and-shoot guy. Alan Griffin's a great catch-and-shoot guy. And, of course, Girard is phenomenal shooting the basketball as well. 
So if you get those guys in some of those transition, step-in threes, and not just that, but think about some of the hustle guys you have on your team. Marek Dolajai, he's a guy who can get in transition, and he can even lead a break for you if needed. I mean, he, he's the definition of this point forward. He's you, Magic you, Johnson, they say. <laughs> exactly, Magic Marek. And <laughs> I think, too, what was the big thing that got your eyes and my eyes wide freaking open when this team signed Frank Anselm? It's the thing that his high school coaches were saying. He's coordinated, he's a rim runner, and he is perfect for the alley-oop play. Love it. If you can get in transition with a rim runner like Frank Anselm, and Anselm gets the opportunity to shine this year, he could be super dangerous at how Syracuse tries to attack offensively with tempo. Yeah, I mean, he could be Tyler Roberson-like, and I think that's the type of career that we should expect from someone like Frank Anselm kind of Hopefully going more of the highs than the lows. Yeah, hopefully, because he did have some good highs. People forget about Roberson. Tyler Roberson, one of my all-time favorite Orange players, by yeah. the way. It's gonna I be think a fun... I made that apparent. Right. <laughs> it's going to be a fun team this year. I mean, this is not going to be... Uh, it's going to be a good product to watch, and I think even across, like, nationally, some people will tune into Syracuse games and be like, huh, this is not the Syracuse team that I'm used to seeing, but I kind of like it. And that's what it was last year to an extent. The bad part is, and the thing that you can push back on there, the last time that we had a really fun team was the only other time that we did not make the tournament. The Arguably the two funnest teams, which I know isn't really a word, but I'm going with it. I think Merriam-Webster actually fixed that. They okay, finally all right, fixed huge. It. Funnest, well, funner, all that stuff. Yeah, it should be a word. So anyway, the should two funnest teams are the two teams that didn't make the tournament, really, right? I mean, it's not Yep. It's no not going to be a proven, successful thing that Syracuse has always had good teams when they've had a lot of offense and, and suspect defense at times. So I'd like to see this team get to the point where they prove that they can lock up when they need to and they can win in an ugly fashion. And I do think they're capable of that. That's going to be kind of their ceiling is how how flexible are they when Gerard has an off night or God you know God forbid someone goes down has COVID and you're limited on a night and you're going into a, a tough environment which I guess will be less likely this year without fans but let's just say you're making a road trip and you're playing a tough team and you're down a couple guys and your shooting's off that night can you win some ugly games last year's team didn't do enough of that and the other team that didn't make the tournament didn't do enough of that. But we're going to see this team make some upsets, and we're going to see a fun brand of basketball, which at sort of a roots level, I kind of like that, like selfishly that Syracuse is heading out of the really annoying, not annoying, that's a wrong word, but like just the... No, it's, I think it is the correct word. Like, yeah, because the offense say, at times... Oh, well, Virginia is the same old... Virginia has a hell of an offense every single year. Yeah, right. And the offense last year was different than what we saw the two or three years before that. It got away from slow it down, isolation, no passing. Last year, it was tempo. It was passing. They were high up there and assists per field goals made for a while. And I like that. I think we're kind of heading in that direction with the, some of the talent that's coming in after this year as well. And you bring up the fun teams with Syracuse over the past couple of years. And why are they fun? It's because offense gives you a chance to win every single game. You're always yeah. going to have a chance if you've got a great offense. Look and at Creighton. Syracuse. Fun. I mean, think about 
some of the biggest wins that this team has had over the past, what, five years? Let's go back to the final four year. All right. All of those teams were top 50 in the country in adjusted offense and offensive efficiency. When you get outside of that, listen, the defense is going to help you beat the bad teams, okay? If you're you're a good, sound defensive team, you're going to beat almost every single bad team. It's going to be very tough to lose against the bad teams. Right. But when you are good offensively and you're a little lackluster defensively, Guess what? You're you're gonna lose to some bad teams, and we've seen Syracuse lose to some bad teams. When you the look old at Dominions, yeah, the right the the 2019 team, or rather, no, not the 2019, the 2020 team from a season ago, the 2017 season, even the Final Four season, there were some bad losses in there. Yeah. So St. John's, you're going to Oof. yeah St. John's most notably, Malachi Richardson 0 for 11 from three that game. <laughs> so obviously, you're going to always have a chance with the offense. And that's what makes this team exciting. Now it's can you piece it together with a defense? And yeah. I I think when you, especially when you have a defensive scheme in place, a defensive scheme that largely has been very very successful, you're more likely to see that blip back. Exactly. And it feels like like the old adage in football is defense will blip every 3 to 4 years. You're going to have it doesn't matter if you're the think of of the New York Jets, okay? Even the most dire and and depressed franchises like the Jets, they see a blip in defense every three, four years. And even sometimes they can string together consecutive good defensive years. But it's the offense that's that's hard to build that consistency. And once you, you, basically what you hope for is that you can pair those up one year. And maybe this can be the year that Syracuse can pair those up. Because... Look at some of these really good teams that Syracuse had in the early 2000s, kind of the golden era of Syracuse basketball. Let's start in 2010, okay? Sixth in adjusted offense, 14th in defense. The next year, uh, round two exit, but a a very good Syracuse team that went 27-8. and 24th in offense, 17th in defense. Man. 2012, Elite Eight, 7th in offense, 16th in defense. Getting nostalgic over here. Final four, I know. 26th in offense, 6th in defense. 2014, another tournament year, 28 and 6. 28 in offense, 13 in defense. Wow. That's fun teams. That's winning teams. Can you pull these together now? That's what we're waiting for. And even the the most recent Final Four year, 50th in offense, 18th in defense. Can, you, get it can done. you string them together now? That's the question. And in all likelihood, the offense will be better than the defense, but we're we're wondering how much can this defense make strides from last year? How much can Buddy and Joe get better at the top of the 2-3 zone? And I'm kind of optimistic from the standpoint that Bayheim has a proven track record when it comes to defense. And while people want to knock the 2-3 zone, you pull up the stats and they say otherwise. They say that it's a pretty good defense against three-point shooting historically. And that makes me think, like you said, that last year might have been a blip. And I'm optimistic that Bayheim can correct what he's best at, which is a defensive-minded coach. I mean, the past decade, outside the top 30 in adjusted defense, only twice since 2010. Can you yeah. believe that? Outside the top 30. I mean, And they didn't make the tournament to me, either. Right, year. and it, it shows just how good this defense is and that you have to kind of just stick to it. as much. Maybe there should be some flexibility with it, and, and there's more man-to-man that's sprinkled in from time to time, but 
overall, the, the proof is in the pudding that this is a, a very, very effective way to play defense. All right, let's get into some of the weaknesses for this team. We, we've kind of waxed poetic about the strengths for this team, and I do think there are a lot of fun strengths for this team. But the weaknesses are what can ultimately hold them back. And when I look at a Syracuse team, the, the number one glaring weakness that pops up every single year, I mean, I'm just looking through the numbers, and it's the offensive rebounding. It, it, every single year, sure, the quantity may not be there, but the percentage, the ratio yeah. of it all. You mean opponents' really offensive rebounding. Opponents' right, offensive yeah. rebounding, yes. So basically Syracuse's inability to rebound out of the zone. And as great as the zone is at forcing missed shots, missed shots are only good if you can retrieve said missed shots. And you look at a season ago, Syracuse, 331st in the country in defensive rebounding percentage. Not going to get it done if you want to go out there and compete and be among the elite teams, because when you're giving these extra opportunities, sure, you may be shooting 25%, but if you're getting extra opportunities, that 25% feels a lot closer to 50% because you're scoring on 50% of your total possessions as opposed to 25% of your shots, maybe. Yeah, and let's keep in mind what happened last year when they lost. It was... Think back to Penn State in the non-conference portion. I think, I don't remember the total, but it was like 50 to 25 total rebounding at the end of the game. And Beheim was looking at the box score. I was at the game and he was just like, yeah, we're not going to win games if that keeps happening. Brahm has got to be better, yada, yada, yada. And we're, we've got a long way to go. And then Oklahoma State comes in the next night or maybe two nights later and your nay, a, a talented guy, is just grabbing every miss and kicking it back out for open threes. And giving them these extra chances. Luke or Garza, same type of thing. North Carolina was a little bit better in the second go-around, of course, when they smashed him, so that proved some stuff. But the first time, huge second chances for Garrison Brooks, Baycott, both guys that are back, by the way, and they're adding some really good freshmen this year. But there is a case to be made that last year they just drew some really tough matchups. Beheim said at one point, we played some of the best big men in the entire country. And I think he was right. When you look at Garza and what he later became, we did not think Iowa was going to be that good of a team in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. That I mean, was Garza was matchup. on the doorstep of player of the year, too. Yeah. It was a two-horse race between him and Obi Toppin. Right, and he's the favorite this year, for sure. So you yep. don't have to play him this year. You draw Rutgers that has some size, but they don't have a big man like Garza. And I don't think... You know, they have a big man like Penn State either. So maybe in a little bit favor more favorable of a schedule, potentially, that won't be as much of a flaw. But like we talked about yesterday with Barama, it just comes down to how much is Barama going to improve? How much are they going to get from the backup center position, whether it is Frank Anselm or Jesse Edwards, or if you want to go with the long shot, John Bolajak. And I'm not totally there yet on Barama is going to be a, a completely different basketball player this year and he's just going to pick up where he left off in the last six games but at least he did show us the last six games because it gives you a glimmer of hope if he hadn't shown us that then I think our conversation and our outlook on the season is completely different absolutely so one another weakness I want to throw out here it's kind of a cycle of things here that I want to get into but Syracuse Obviously, with the 2-3 zone, you're trying to bait people into taking three-point shots. And yeah. no one in the ACC 
has a higher percentage of the field goal attempts as three-pointers allowed than the orange. So 47% of all field goal attempts last year for Syracuse, and this is an ACC play only here, but 47% were three-point attempts by the opposition. The average in the league is 37%. Wow. Now, the three-point percent, when you're allowing that many threes, and you're not a good offensive rebound or defensive rebounding team, I should say, when you're allowing all those offensive rebounds, and the three-point percentage for the opposition, too, is pretty good. I mean, it says 10th, but when you're shooting at the volume that these opposing teams are shooting at, when you're getting as many opportunities to launch from three that all these ACC teams are, are giving you night in and night out, it's really a lot worse for you. So it's kind of that cycle of, okay, you're going to shoot a ton of threes. You're going to make a good amount of them. Maybe the, the percentage isn't great, but you're getting all these extra opportunities. It kind of all goes in tandem there. It's the, the rotating cycle that kind of hurt this team night in and night out, it felt like, especially in the losses. Yeah, I've gone on record. I'd say outside of rebounding, top of the zone is by far the biggest weakness and the biggest concern of mine going into this season. It comes down to how much can Gerard and Beheim show improvement there? And the tough part is, it's not like they have some reinforcement. Sure, Kadari Richmond will play at the top of the zone some, but as a freshman, I don't think we can expect him to be some revelation defensively. And given that Gerard and Beheim give them the best shot offensively, at least right now, is what we expect. They're going to be out there for a large chunk of the game. They're the two best players on the team. So it's not like Frank Howard's coming back and you've all of a sudden, you're incorporating more length and more size. They probably put on some muscle, Gerard and Beheim, but the top of the zone and the lack of length there is really something that went underlooked last year because Tyus Battle and Frank Howard were great at the top of that zone in terms of getting their hands on the ball and getting out on those closeouts at the top of the key for those three-point shots. Really, the only sort of case you can make for why it will be better this year is you get a little bit more of Richmond, maybe Griffin plays the top of the zone some, and they just get smarter. There's no case out there that's like, oh, well, Gerard tacked on three inches or something. I mean, it's the same guys at the top of the zone, and that's why it is a concern. One of the last things, here's my last weakness that I'll throw at you, and then if you've got any others, you can empty them out right here. But it's going to be ball handling. It's a good one. Here's why. Because you're losing Elijah Hughes, who I thought from a season ago was probably your best ball handler and obviously your best all-around player from a season ago. And you lose a guy like that who's capable of bringing the ball. Now, it seems like Kadari Richmond is going to be a guy who can replenish that for you. But even with just those two, I mean, Buddy Beheim's nothing special handling the basketball. Marek Dolzhai's good for his size, but at the end of the day, you're not going to ask him to take the ball up for you in pressure situations. And Joe Girard, he can be a little reckless at times, can turn the ball over at times, and that's something that's going to have to correct itself. So can Syracuse find that extra ball handler? Because guess what? What if... Jim Beheim kind of reverts to his usual ways and doesn't play a bunch of guys off the bench. Or even if they do, maybe Kadari is getting between five and 10 minutes a game and you're lacking in that secondary ball handler role because that's something that Syracuse is going to need to get a lot better at. They're going to have to have a dependable 
second option on the floor at all times, whether it's Buddy getting a lot better, whether it's Alan Griffin getting a lot better. I know that's not one of his fortes. And, I mean, Quincy Garrier is not some uber-talented guy with the, with the ball on a string either. So I want to see if this team can do a little bit better in that department, take care of the basketball, and, and not not get caught up in these tough situations because they don't have good ball handlers out there on the floor. Yeah, I think that overall they're pretty good turnover-wise, though, in limiting turnovers last year. So that would fall to me. They were, a- but sometimes you're you're in damaged possessions because of it. Sure. Yeah, and it takes a little bit for the offense to develop at times, and then it's, okay, you don't have your isolation guy that you had last year. How much can Gerard improve in isolation, and how good is Griffin going to be off the dribble where there are some concerns about his ball handling coming over from Illinois? All right, that's going to wrap up this Thursday edition of the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Tomorrow on the show, actually later today on the show, it's preview because we've got A.J. Black from Locked on BC, the new Locked on Boston College show. He's going to give us the lowdown on all things Eagles, so we'll have that for you a little up later today. And he also writes for the BC Bulletin. Great, great Boston College follows. So if you're looking for all the insight, you can get that later today in our Boston College and Syracuse Preview podcast. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you guys with all things Eagles later today. Oh.